welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Father, I pray this morning as we come around your word, I pray, God, you will speak to us. You will help us, Lord, to know you more deeply today, Lord, that we will leave here changed by your word. We will be encouraged by your grace and your love, Lord, and we will, Lord, uh, be, Lord, full of vision for tomorrow. Uh, But I pray, Lord, at the start of this uh, new year, Father, that we truly will uh, experience you, Lord God, in a very dynamic and powerful way, Lord. For the hour is so dark, Lord, that the need is so great. And uh, I just thank you, Father God, that you can meet every need. That no darkness can overpower you, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one constant in the universe, Lord. Outside of the universe, outside of time is you. You're the same. There's no shadow or turning with you. And I thank you for that, Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away. But you are always, oh God. You always remain. Your word will never pass away. We bless you in Jesus' marvelous name. Amen. <clears throat> this morning, I want to speak about, probably outside of David, the greatest king um, of the Old Testament of, of Judah now. And he's a, he, he became king at the age of eight years old. His name was Josiah. I love Josiah because I have a grandson called Josiah. And uh, his name is, it means God supports and heals. It also means foundation of God or founded of God. And so he, uh, he is eight years old. His father is Ammon, and he was an idol worshiper. He was a man full of mixture. He didn't fully reject the God of Israel. He just embraced the God of Israel alongside the very shady, immoral practices of other religious beliefs. And uh, he succeeded his father, Ammon. His, father, his grandfather, Manasseh, before his father, was another king of his, uh, Judah, who again was another idol worshiper, another immoral king. Another, you know, so the legacy of this young man is not great. The, the history, the, 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 sort of, you could say the influences in his young life you would not have been positive towards the worship of God. You know, that in the southern region of Judah, you have 12 slash 13 very wicked kings. I say slash 13 because one started out well, but he ended bad, Uzziah, but... But for the most part, most of the kings of the southern region now of, of Judah were, were very wicked. They had embraced the immoral practices, of, the religious practices of the nations around them. Very, as I said, they were very sensuous. They let you do what you wanted to do. Much like most religion today, isn't it? When you think of it, most religion today, when I grew up in religion, people, you know, they, they lived the life they wanted to do. And then they just went to the priest on, on a Saturday and went for confession and thought the whole thing went away. And then just continue to live the way they wanted to live anyhow. And uh, people love that sort of religion because you don't really need to challenge. You don't need to change. You don't need to be holy. You just need to go through some sort of ritual. And that gets you through. But the Bible says you have to be born again. Amen. That means a new spirit, a new thinking. Something of God needs to be birthed in you. A new life has to come into you. If you're ever to see the kingdom of heaven. And so these kings, Manasseh, Ammon, they were bad of the 12 to 13 bad kings, there were seven good, and Josiah here was probably the greatest of them all. Uh, his mother was a woman called Yedida. We'll read her in a moment. 
And it's believed by the Jewish uh, scholars and scribes that she was the major influence in his life. You know, Ammon, his bad dad, with all his, with all his uh, wickedness, she still produced a Josiah. For every mother here that same night, my husband is just not playing his part. He's just not a good influence. I want to tell you, you've still got God on your side, moms, and you can still produce a Josiah. But this young king, he is foisted by birth to become the king at the age of the great age of eight years old. What did you starting verse? We're going to go back and read of them, but this is a verse I want to stay with you. Then Josiah announced that the Passover of the Lord would be celebrated in Jerusalem. So the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day of the first month. Anybody know what date it is today? What month are we today? Now we know the Jewish calendar varies differently, but this is our 14th day of our first month. Chapter 22 of 2 Kings. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother (coughs) was Yadida, the daughter of Adaiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. In the 18th year of his reign, King Joash sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary to the temple of the Lord. He told them, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people for the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men that are signed to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Hilkiah, down to verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors of the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest, Ahkinham, son of Shaphan, Abhor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Isaiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found for the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. Verse 15. Sorry, we continue. So Hilkiah the priest, Akiham, Abur, Shaphan, and Asiah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikavah, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. 
And she said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on the city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah will read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him. This is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the message that you've just heard. You are sorry and humble yourself before the Lord. And when you heard what I said against the city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate, you tore your robe, your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. This is an amazing account because when you look at an eight-year-old and his mother's influences, and the Bible says he, he was inspired by his ancestor David. So it's amazing telling the bedside stories to your children. And obviously David, the, 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 the king that was the man after God's own heart who gave us the Psalms, the great hero of Israel that slew Goliath, that brought Jerusalem as the capital, that had subdued the nations that had been oppressing them. He was an inspiration, of course, to Josiah as a young eight-year-old little boy. His mother told him these stories. So I just want to encourage you, moms, keep telling the bedside, bedtime stories. Can you say amen? Let them know the great deeds of the Lord. Don't let your children grow up ignorant of the, of the miracles of Christ and, and the working of the saints of old and how, how this world was brought into being by the word of God and God spoke the world into existence. Don't be ashamed to inspire your children by the Bible narrative. Amen. There's no, other, there's no other story to tell them. Evolution has no, has no story to tell people. And pure history outside of God's hand in it has no answers for civilization moving forward. And so this young boy is obviously inspired. He personally lived an upright life as, uh, before the Lord. The Bible is very clear about that. He, he was a, a young man that li- literally you know, did what was right. Uh, so in, in his own realm as a young, young king, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, right up to the age of 16 or 17, when he begins to look further afield, when he begins to be, become more aware of the realm of his, of his country and, and, and the condition of, uh, of Judah and the con- spiritual de- condition of the nation, as he begins to take his responsibilities more seriously and he's able to embrace it more because he's growing up in it, he begins to turn his attention to the temple because he's personally devout, but he's not very much in tune to what's going on around him. How could you be all of 8 to 16 or 17 years of age? You're not that clued in. But there came that moment where he began to become aware of his responsibilities. And as he did, he turned his focus onto the repairing of the temple, and he ordered that the money that would be taken in for the temple's tax would be distributed to artisans, to, to, I was going to say plumbers, but to carpenters and uh, to, uh, to stonemasons and those who worked with uh, gold and silver and tapestries. He gave money so that they would reconstitute, rebuild and overhaul the temple. And in that journey, the book of the law was found. Obviously, the, the spiritual decline had become so, so bad in Israel. I mean, when we read our scriptures, it's quite appalling when you look at the history of Israel, the, the incredible supernatural feats that God had demonstrated to his people. It, it, you know, the, the, the visible outpouring of God, the visible uh, uh, deliverances that he brought to them, 
the heritage that they had as a nation and how easy it was to forget all that. Now, that, you know, what's possible for them is possible for us, friends. It's easy to forget what the Lord has done. It's easy to move on with your life and not remember the great workings of God. As many of us here have experienced some of the most incredible movings of God over our own life at conference times, the, the glory days of the Summer Fire Conference, the, the moments uh, uh, of prayers and fasting, when we, the presence of God, when we came in and pressed in together to pray and fasted together to seek the Lord, the sense of the presence of God was tangible. There's, there's not a true Christian in the house that hasn't got a similar testimony that knew the movings of God in their lives. But it's so easy for just to move on with life and to forget all that and end up in a very dark place, you end up in a tepid religion where the word of God gets buried in our house. And actually, in fact, every other, every other book is on top of your Bible, from your cookbook to your how to set your new LED television, or whatever you have for Christmas. Everything lost, buried under the paperwork of your house, under all your bills, you may find the Bible. And so in the midst of Israel's journey, or Judah's journey here, Jerusalem's journey religiously, because of all these backslidden and wicked kings, and the mixture that had come in, the religious practice had also adopted a very, very traditional outlook. They just went through the motions of what they were taught, but they had no basis in the word anymore. They had no context to who they were as a people. They were losing the mooring to the truth of God's word. And I want to tell you, Christian, it's the same with you and I. If we don't have the word of God in our lives, we're, the stories will become faint. The experiences will become faint. They'll become more distant. And you'll find that other things would, would fill your senses in your mind and your heart. Other things would come in and fill that gap. And that was the way with Israel. It, it became a tepid religion. It, it became far from the heart of God. And Josiah, this, this man that God is founding, this man that God is going to bring healing to the nation, respite from, uh, from imminent attack, he begins to do the right thing. He lives right. He tries to set the temple in order. And I want to tell you this morning, the start of 2024, it's a time for us to get the temple in order. Amen? And I'm not just talking about court church. I'm talking about bodies of the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying this morning. There comes a time we have to have a look and say, is there, is there areas of reforming needed in our lives? Is there areas of repair needed in our lives? You know, is there practices that are not lining up with the Word of God? And as you search your heart this morning, as you embark, as I, as I embark, as we embark together as a people and as a body, you know, there'll be that revelation that will come to your life if you have the heart, if you have the honesty this morning to say, at the, you know, on, the, on, on, on the 14th day of the first month, God, I want to discover again the Word of God. And the Word of God's brought out, and, you know, and so this young man who loves God, this 17, 18 year old, king whose heart is for God all of a sudden the word the Torah is brought out in the first five books some people say it was probably only Deuteronomy others say it was the first five books I believe it was the Torah but that's that's an academic point the point is that the word of God had become hidden lost lost in the vocabulary lost in the thinking lost in the lifestyle there was a time when many Christians before they ever got out of their bed in the morning, picked up a Bible and began to read it. Am I right? There was a time when you grew in your faith that you consumed the book. 
I remember at 12 years old, going on 13, when my mom and dad got saved. Now my mom and dad did bully us. And read your Bible, you're pagan. My mom would say, but you know what? There was a desire in our heart to read the word of God. We were young. You'd always remind us to read the Bible. But we always read our Bible. Last thing at night, and we went to bed early. So you had plenty of time to read your Bible. I, I remember as a young, young teenager, reading more and more for many reasons. Number one, I needed to be able to answer people why we changed religion, what was going on in my life. I, I knew God had visited our family. I knew the salvation of the Lord, but I, I couldn't put together any answers on theology and life and philosophy and the Bible worldview. I knew none of it, but I began to read it and I began to devour it, amen. And I began to follow after the things of God. Can you remember those times in your life, Christian, where the word of God meant everything to you? The word of men was completely secondary. It was what God spoke to you, was what was the primary, uh, 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 the primary uh, influence upon your life. And that had been lost in Israel. Now, by, by the hand of God, as they're repairing the temple, and I want to tell you, as you begin to look at your temple this morning, and you begin to look at what the idea of maintaining it, the word of God will be found in you again. And they bring the word of God to Josiah, and Josiah reads it, and Josiah understands in the reading that there was certain calamity coming upon the nation because they had done everything the opposite. They had brought in foreign gods. They had brought in the immoral practices. The Asherah pole was in the, in the temple of the Lord. That's like showing pornography in court church this morning. That's like if we went, went on our screens, all of a sudden they put on some pornogra pornographic show, that was the Asherah pole, right in the temple. That'll tell you how far the nation has spread. The, 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 the sacrificing of children was back, on, was back in regions of Israel. All this mixture had come in. And so there was, it was a horrendous time in the life of this nation. And so the word of God is brought in. As he reads it, he knows what the Deuteronomy laws are, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy laws are saying. That if you go these ways, if you take on these practices of these nations around you, if you offer your children to Molech, if you go off in this immoral way of behavior and living your life, I will bring calamity upon you. And even though he personally walked with the Lord, he feared for the nation. I, I hope this morning, Christian, I hope this morning that you're not in compromise, that you're like a Josiah, that you love the Lord personally in your life, things are good, you're trying to expand the kingdom, but I hope there's also an alarm in you for the nation. I hope as you read the word of God and as you understand the, the times and the seasons that you live in, that something inside your heart goes, oh my gosh, we're doomed unless we get hold of God. And that was the moment for Josiah. Josiah had that moment of despair. The Bible says he humbled himself. Now you could ask us, why did the king need to humble himself? He was a man who walked with God from the youngest of age. No controversy about his lifestyle. No, nothing, nothing alleged about his character. Just that he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. And he was a godly king. He was a young man. All through his life he was devout. Why did he have to humble himself? The Bible says he tore his clothes, he humbled himself, and he inquired of the Lord because he understood the seasons that he was now living in was the apex of what was going to happen to the nation. There was going to be an awful attack upon the nation of Judah where they were going to be annexed. For 70 years, Babylon was going to rule over them, and it was going to be a horrendous time. And he began to seek the Lord. And, began, and I love that. He, he was, so there was a time where he rediscovered the word of God. I pray for 2024. 
that you, Christian, will discover, rediscover the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. The 14th day of the first month, you came into court church and God spoke to you that that book needs to be picked up again. Hallelujah. That God spoke to me at the start of a new year that I, man, will not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That something begins to stir in you, that you begin. And then the next thing, that not in your own self indemnifying who you are as a Christian, but understanding that you are an intercessor on behalf of the people. And that there will be something in you, like a Moses, like a Joshua, like a type of Christ that would intercede on behalf of the land. Amen. That there would be a humbling of ourselves when we begin to read the word of God. We begin to, we begin to understand the, the seasons we're in. I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't take any spiritual prophet to tell you. I want to tell you the secular prophets are doing a good job. This world is doomed unless something changes. Jesus talked about in the end days wars and rumors of wars. Disastrous spreading from nation to nation. The scripture, like Jeremiah wrote all those years ago, and it's spreading, friends. Hate, ethnos against ethnos. Religion against religion. Nation against nation. Family members are falling apart at each other's throats. The delinquency within families, the breakdown within the family unit is unparalleled. Entire countries are falling apart because of the breakdown of the family. You don't believe me? Look at America. The nuclear family is gone and as a consequence, delinquency, breakdown, hedonism, no loyalty, no love, no compassion. It's all about me. It's all about what I want to do, how I feel, my senses, my, my, lower, my lower appetites being fed all the time at the expense of anything or everything. And that's what's happening. It's just ripping people apart. At the end of it all, you're a worn out, broken body with no love, no loyalty in you or towards you. It leads to a lonely life, friends, and a miserable end. And this is what was staring at Israel. But God raised up a Josiah. God established a man, amen. A man that discovered the word of God again, hallelujah. Can you not see what God wants to do with you? Can you not see that we need another Josiah moment? That you and I need to have that Josiah moment. You and I need to have that understanding of the hour that we're living in today and rediscover the word of God, begin to humble ourselves, go into the presence of the Lord. I want to tell you, God is looking for men and women. And are you that one woman? Are you that man this morning that is ready to lock themselves away with God and begin to seek the face again, begin to open the word of God again, begin to humble yourself again? Because doing the same things as last week is not going to change tomorrow. Something needs to change. I said, something needs to change. If not now, when? And if not you, then who? We're just going to go through 24 like we did 23. With vain aspirations. But I want to tell you, Josiah's revelation didn't just stop at a weepy moment. He didn't just humble himself. He humbled himself. He tore his robes. He inquired of the Lord. But you know what he also did? He began to reform not just himself. He began to reform his house. He began to reform his kingdom. He began to look and he started a purge right throughout the nation. At 18 years of age, friends, he, is, he has the temple cleared of all the false gods that are going on. He's got the, the wicked priests of, of Molech uh, uh, taken away 
and, and, and killed and executed. He's the, even the graves of the wicked priests he desecrated just to show the people that their power is now broken over Israel. We are never going back to that. He went through the countrysides, tore down the shrines to false gods, tore down the altars to the false gods. No, friends, I want to tell you, repentance has got an action to it. Amen. It wasn't just a weeping moment at Cork Church. It wasn't just a kind of stirring of his heart. It led him to do something. And that's what God is going to do for us, friends. If you're going to go, if I'm going to go into the fullness of what God would have for us as, a, as, as individuals, as families, as a church, in the nation and the nations around us, then it's going to lead to a cleansing of our homes. This is what this man did. He went throughout the countryside. He began to cleanse the temple. Cleansing the Asherah, as I said. When are we going to start dealing with pornography in our homes? Oh, you all got very quiet on me now. When are we going to keep, why are we letting that God still tower over us and bring us down to the animal and to the base elements? See, I want to tell you there's a practical side to, to the word of God. Amen. There's a denying yourself temporary pleasures, which are pleasures that, do you, know, you know that heroin is a temporary pleasure as well? Methamphetamines are a temporary pleasure. They all kill so is Asherah, so is pornography. Prostitution. I won't read all of it from Second Kings and from Chronicles, but he went in and he, outside of the temple, where the temple prostitutes, male and female, it says, he tore down the houses. When are we going to deal with immoral relationships in our lives? People are thinking it's okay to live outside of wedlock with the other person. At what stage are you going to call it out and say, this is just not right? Well, Josiah did. Josiah got rid of that prostitution. I want to tell you, friends, there's a prostitution spirit that has entered into even the people of God and into the church of God. You know, the temple prostitutes serviced the temple of God. The male and female prostitutes came in and lured people for immoral behavior within the church, when you could say within the temple of God, and he cleansed that out. And I pray to God today that God will do the same in our own hearts and our own lives. But you and I must want it. Amen. I said, you must want it. You know, there's, there's no use trying to bring reformation to your life. There's no use even sitting. There's no use even coming to church. You're wasting your time. Unless you're ready to let the word of God truly touch where you're at. Jesus talked about the man that hears the word of God and goes, goes away and doesn't do anything about it. It's like a guy that looks at himself in the mirror and forgets how basically dirty his face is. And so Josiah went, understanding now he's still a young teenage king. The odds are stacked against him. Every adult male in his army, his administration, every man and woman in the street had become accustomed over many, many years to living an immoral lifestyle having mixture. Oh, we still go to church. We still worship Jehovah. Of course, Jehovah is, we, we worship God. We also have this and we also have that, but we have not forgotten Jehovah. Like much of the church today, oh, we love Jesus. 
But alongside that is a whole other, you know, Bible says light and darkness do not fellowship. If you're, living in, if you're living in brokenness as a Christian, if you're living in defeat as a Christian, it's because you need to see reformation come into your life today, amen. You need to reform that which has become bent and broken, not because God hates you, because God loves you, amen. Sin hates you. Sin destroys you. Sin disfigures you. Sin bends you over. Sin makes you do things that you would have never contemplated in doing in the natural. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that you would have it abundantly. Amen. He gave you the power over sin. To give you the power over the deeds of the flesh. And this is what this great reformer, this young man, this man full of the Davidic spirit, this man full of a heart after God, he comes to the throne and he begins to purge the nation. I'm telling you, friends, he left no stone unturned. Amen. Other reforming kings came in and they did certain regions, but he went to the high places. He tore down the places, friends. He went up to the Bethels and he tore them down. He went up to every place that had anything of mixture. I want to tell you, it may come a time for you and your wife to sit down and say, where do we need to start making changes in our home? 2024, the first day, not only that, friends, not only did he rediscover the word of God, not only was he cleansing the temple, cleansing his life, he began to understand from the word of God the centrality to the Jewish manifestation was the Passover, one of the most central feasts that they would uphold. They hadn't done it correctly in years. And he he, he, he reinstates the Passover, which as you know and I know, is the testament of how God had brought his people out of Egypt to the, to the blood of a lamb and to the faith that they placed by putting it upon the lentils and trusting God that when the angel of death came and he passed over and that as a consequence to that Passover, it led to their emancipation out of Egypt. And that was being forgotten. I want to tell you many Christians today, Many people come to our church, they love the songs, they love to sing about Jesus, but they have no understanding of the cross. I said, no concept of the cross of Jesus. They have no understanding of what the blood meant. They have no understanding of what the price that was paid. Somehow, it, sometimes it just translates into be a romantic experience, a sort of, a sort of a, 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 another fairy dream. Jesus is just what you make him to believe in, what you make to believe in your own mind, what he looked like, what he was. No concept. And so he began to make, in Jerusalem again, he brought the Passover back as the central focus in his life. No other kings had done that. Hezekiah had done it years earlier and he'd reinstated it. But this man did it correctly. Not only did he celebrate it on a much larger scale, slaughtered more animals so that more people, so the nation could feed off it. He celebrated it on the right day. In other words, he reinstated the Passover in its right place in the heart of the nation. And I think that's something for us for 2024, that for the Christian, the cross of Jesus Christ needs to be put back into the center place. Uh, the cross of Jesus. I know nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. Amen. What that means to us, friends, what that means to God, what that means to the non-believer, the only hope of the world is that cross. Josiah, with all his immaturities as a young king, knows how to humble himself knows how to clean the temple, knows how to reform his life and the families around him, and knows how to put the cross in the central position of his life. Bad dad, bad granddad.
And the nice legacy of this man, something negative. And there are lots of opinions on how he died. And he died in battle. And Nico, the pharaoh of Egypt, came to meet him in battle. Joash was killed in battle. Some people think that's negative. I want to tell you, I want to die fighting the good fight. I don't want to die backsliding in my bed with a life of regret. Haven't taken my hand off the plow. And nothing but fear ahead of me and regret behind me. This man died the way he lived. Fighting for what was right. That's his legacy. Is there a Josiah moment in your heart this morning? Is there a Josiah moment in your heart? Is there a time for you and for me to move? So they lifted Josiah out of his chariot and placed him in another chariot. Then they brought him back to Jerusalem where he died. He was buried there in the royal cemetery and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. The prophet Jeremiah, wow, composed funeral songs for Josiah. And to, his, and to this day, choirs still sing these sad songs about his death. These songs of sorrow have become a tradition and are recorded in the book of laments. May we live a life that even godless men will miss us when we're gone. Live a life worthy of the calling. On the 14th day of the first month, the blood was centered again to Israel. On the 14th day of the first month, the temple has cleansed. The people had humbled themselves. They had rediscovered the word of God. And they lived that way until Josiah went to heaven. Now I don't know what will come after me and you don't know what comes after you. But for while we're here on earth, may the glory, presence, protection and provision of God be over our families, be over the nations that we live in. Whatever happens after we go, friends, God may have to raise up another Josiah. But this is, the, this is the 14th day of the first month. And I feel from the Holy Spirit as we go into a week of prayer and fasting that this is a marker moment for, for you and for me. First of all, to humble ourselves. Second of all, to put the word of God back into our lives. Third of all, friends, to cleanse the temple and our lives. And most importantly, put the cross, the Passover, back into our lives. This is what the Jews did at the start of their new year. And God blessed them. And I believe that's what God will do for us. As we start into this January, the 14th day of the first month, the word of God discovered again. The blood of Christ exalted again. Righteous living and inquiring of God. And then God will come and he will bless us. And you know what they will say when you and I go?
by God's grace, they will lament that you're gone. And they'll write songs about you. Maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren. I think I've got a couple of grandchildren that might miss me. But it's not that. It's not about what they say about us. They'll talk about the God that was in you. The influences that you've had upon the family and the families. The light and the beacon of hope that you were. And the legacy that you left behind you. And I want to tell you, friends, that's what God would have for you. A good name and a just reward for your labor. Would you stand with me this morning as we're just going to pray. We're not moving. I don't want anyone to move. Keep the doors closed just for a moment. Thank you, ushers. <clears throat> can, I just, can I just encourage you? Tomorrow we start that prayer and fasting. Today we feast and rejoice, some of us in a wedding. But I pray with all my heart for you. I genuinely pray this, that you will have a Josiah moment right now with the Lord. Would you close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads, still your hearts, just for a few moments. You might be young in the Lord, you might be old in the Lord, but today is the day where we reform by the grace of God. Today is a day that the stakes are so high. When we read our Bible, we should become alarmed for the nation. I said we should be alarmed for the nations. I want you to think of your family. I want you to think of your friends. I want to think of your loved ones here in Ireland and further afield. Some of you back home. It could be anywhere from Africa to the Philippines, Ukraine, all around the world. And you see the rise of demonic attack that's coming upon them. And that's a consequence from turning from, away from God back to paganism. This world has embraced paganism again. It's embraced Molech. It's embraced Asherah. It's embraced Baal. It's embraced all of those symbols of prosperity and sensuality. And I'm alarmed. I don't know about you, but I'm alarmed at that. That really causes me to quiver inside. And I tell you another reason why. Because I've got grandkids. I've got skin in the fight. I've got a generation, not just me, I'm going to heaven. Thank God my kids mostly know the Lord. But I've got grandkids coming up. What sort of world, what sort of example are they going to, what are they going to see? Well, I know what they're going to see unless we see God. Unless we lay hold of the Lord. And if, even if we don't hold back the tide of oppression, we hold it back in our homes. We hold it back over our children. We keep it away from them by faith, by prayer, by seeking the Lord together. Josiah was only 39, I think, when he died. He died a young man in battle, but you know, most of the great men of Scripture died young men. They died young men. Most of the great men of antiquity that, that saw the expanse of the Christian church died young men. They died fighting the good fight. I'd rather die young fighting the good fight than live an old life completely empty and devoid of God. I'd rather die on fire, burn out rather than rust out. But I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to talk to God in the closing moments of this service? Say, oh God, I want to model myself the way Josiah did. I want to be like David, a man after your heart. I want to reform. I want to repent. I want to move forward. 
I want the cross and the word of God to be central in my life. And so, Father, we pray for this. Close your eyes and ask the Lord, because I can't ask for you. You have to ask for yourself. Say, Lord, I want this for me. I want 2024 to be a life, to be a year of great reformation, great embracing of the, the word of God again, great embracing of the cross of Jesus again. I want this to be a year, Lord, where I put pornography out of my home, where I put the Asherah out of my home. I put immoral relationships out of my home. If you're in an immoral relationship, it's forgivable. God loves you, but you need to repent. You need to say, oh God, forgive me. By your grace, Lord, I am not going to live that life anymore. I'm going to live the right life. Amen. If you're living with someone, sleeping with someone that's not your husband or your wife, you need to repent right now. Right now before the Lord, you say, oh God, why? Because disaster is coming and it's going to get deeper in your life. Don't do, don't let the enemy get in there. Put it right with the Lord, amen. Live right. And you can expect to see the hand of God begin to bless your life again. If you're in compromise with your finances, if you're fiddling something, money from someone or somewhere, if you're turning, if you're not reading the word of God and you're just, you're just making this thing life up as you go along and you're, you're just staying one step ahead of a shoe shine, as they say, well, I want to tell you, reform. Say, oh God, today in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to, I want to live the right life. I want my life, Lord, to be seen. I want it not just to be seen, but I want it to be righteous in how I live for you. Let God touch you today. Say, oh God, let my life be an example. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, raise your hands to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord. You have, it's your response to him now. It's your response to him. This is your life. This is your year. I have to make my own decisions. You have to make yours. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Can you make that bold step this morning and say, oh God, I'm coming to you today. I feel like a young believer again. I feel like a child. I've, I, I, even though I'm older, I just feel like a child in the faith. But Lord, I want to grow in the faith. Hallelujah, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now, Lord, and begin to administrate your grace, Lord, to the believers here, Lord, that are standing with that honest moment before you. <coughs> Lord, there's too much at stake. Our children and our grandchildren, our own lives are at stake. Our own health, our physical health, our mental health is at stake. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.